I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons. It's an absolute podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy, happy end of bye week. Happy basketball is back. Happy Syracuse is 1-0. Happy Syracuse is going to shoot approximately 7 million threes this year. Yeah, welcome uh, to the, the Bayheim takeover. Happy, yes, happy triple Bayheim action. Debut, which went really well. I thought Jimmy looked great. Everyone's going to get big. <laughs> Everyone's going to get big bad. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, between the Duke uh, Coach K send off and also like all the Bayheims fit to print every time Syracuse comes to town. Like it's uh, it's going to be something. Uh, and and kudos to Jimmy. I thought Jimmy like honestly looked. Obviously, I've seen him play at Cornell a bit. Um, really good. <laughs> like I, you know, who knows what happens when we face ACC defenses. But, like, I was actually really impressed by his, like, kind of all-around offensive game. Yeah, honestly, like, you, you know, m- make a course correction in your mind for opponent. Lafayette was not good last year and didn't look great um, on Tuesday night. But at the same time, like, Jimmy looked really good. I mean, the, the, the offense really – and this is, like, something I highlighted in, like, kind of my overreactions piece on Tuesday was, like, the offense kind of ran through the forwards, which actually opened up a lot of opportunities – um, outside and a lot of opportunities and space for for Buddy and uh, Joe Girard, which was awesome. Yeah. I mean, Girard had such an efficient game, uh, which was great to see from him because I always felt like Joe, by and large, like was not the most efficient player. He kind of became a bit of a volume shooter last year. This year, like he was super efficient with the basketball. He had seven assists, only one turnover. Like he scored twenty points. He he, he played really well, um, you know, against Lafayette. And like we're not going to get that every game. 
Um, but the fact that we can get that from him and the fact that he can play efficiently and the fact that he didn't need a high usage rate um, compared to, you know, Swider and Jimmy Beheim, who actually led the team in usage rate. Like, to me, that that's a step in the right direction for this team. And the more that they can draw defenses inside to open things up outside, the better off we're going to be. Yeah, I, I was really impressed by Joe. I think, you know, again, adjusted for opponent, but you can make the argument um, just like in terms of pure play uh, without taking too much outside factor into account. Like it might have been his best game at SU. Um, as you said, super efficient. Had the seven assists, including like that one really nice driving dish to, uh, I think it was Edwards down low. Um, didn't really take any shots that I had a major issue with. Like he took, you know, two, I think two like real deep ones but like he was wide open and we know joe can hit those um there have been times where he's taken them in in, uh times that have been maddening but a we were blowing a team out and b like they were generally kind of in the rhythm of the offense um and you can't i mean when he goes five for five from deep like what are you gonna say um so yeah great game by him i mean there was no one who played poorly like buddy didn't have buddy wasn't like red hot but he still uh found his way to 18 points even though he was three for nine from three which we know he's going to shoot better than that more often than not. And also it's always encouraging when he's taking the ball to the tin and he's being a little more creative on offense and not just settling for his jumper. Um, I thought obviously Jesse has been a big talking point this year. He looked great. Um, foul, you know, needs to set a foul trouble a little bit, but his presence down low is, is incredible. Um, you know, just really dominated need more than two rebounds from him, but also Swider was kind of like vacuuming up everything. Um, and Frank looked pretty good. Uh, and then Swider, I thought was was also like really impressive. He also didn't shoot very well, but like coming in, I feel like the whole thing with him was he was very much like a stand in the quarter, shoot threes, not super athletic, kind of a defensive liability. I don't know. He looks like he has a way more interesting all around offensive game. He and Jimmy both um, are these really creative, uh, adept passers. Seem to have good floor vision. Defensively, there'll be questions as we get into ACC play, and hopefully. Um, with Buddy and Joe, like this team might struggle on defense. Um, Jesse's probably going to be asked to do a lot of erasing, and hopefully, uh, guys like Benny and and uh, and Frank can step in there and and Simeer, uh and give good defensive uh, good defensive minutes. Um, but offensively, like I feel like there are so many weapons in this team, and none of them are guys that are just going to roam on the perimeter. Like they can all do a little bit of something else too. Um, which is going to make this really different, uh, difficult to defend because um, with the way they moved the ball last night, like they're going to be open shots to find this year. And if they are hot, like this team is going to put up some serious points. Yeah. I mean, just like we were talking about, you know, a couple of weeks ago is that you can actually play five and five basketball again on offense. Like Edwards doesn't have to be amazing. He doesn't even have to be what he was last night um, to be super effective. Uh, but you know, uh, 11 points for him on four or four shooting and three, four from the line. Like that's an incredible night. For for a, for a, a forward slash center for Syracuse who played you know eighteen point eighteen minutes and 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 was in foul trouble for some time like like I I would take that going away like you said I I'd love some more boards but overall you know the three blocks too were awesome like he just had an excellent game I, I felt like overall having those having all five players be threats I mean I would have liked to see a little bit more of the bench maybe last night but I also understand like it is just one game things happen I'm still did you have any concern about Buddy getting 35 minutes in this one, <laughs> especially given the ankle uh, situation in the preseason? Um, I wouldn't say concern. Like, I didn't know that it was super important for him to be out there that much, especially, like, there were times where almost, like, the entire second unit was out there, and then also Buddy was still out there. 
Um, we probably could have seen uh, a bit more Benny. We probably could have seen um, a little bit of, uh, more of Saimir and seen if we could have gotten him into some offensive rhythm. Um, although, you know, he moved the ball with Elliot four assists. So, uh, you know, I'll take that. He's not being asked to be a, a real big scorer. Um, so, yeah, we probably didn't need 35 from Buddy, but I know that we're also trying to get ourselves in rhythm here. Um, you know, early season the last couple of years has not been super good. Um, we've struggled with some of these kind of teams. We've lost to a lot of the power conference teams that we face. So I, 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 th- I understand, like, trying to balance making sure you're not running everyone uh, into the ground. And, and most of the other guys, it was fine. Like, Cole played 31, then everyone else is at, like, 25, 21. Um, I think that was probably more uh, around what you'd hope for. Um, but I understand trying to balance, like, getting people in rhythm and ready to play a season versus, like, you know, not going crazy out of the gate. But he, didn't, he looked like he was running around fine. I know the ankle was a concern from the exhibition game, but, like, he, it, it didn't seem like he was favoring it at all. So it seems like he's good to go. Totally. I'm actually, I don't know if you have the shot chart pulled up, but I'm looking at this and I, I can't believe, I mean, we joked a couple of years ago about, you know, SU turning into the Warriors. And you, you look at the shot chart and it's absolutely amazing. Um, there's only, there's only four shots SU took that weren't threes or in the paint. Joe had like two mid range that he missed. And like, they were like the only stuff he missed basically. And then I think, uh, we had the John Paul Jack uh, uh, pull up from like 15 on the baseline that he knocked down, which was hilarious, especially after airballing that three by uh, like 17 feet. <laughs> yeah, this is I've got yeah I've got the the John Ball shot like just outside the paint. I've got a Benny Williams shot in, in the second half, a little outside the paint. Um, got a miss from uh, Gerard, um, like a true mid range, and then a miss from Swider is a true mid range. Other than that, everything else was in the paint. We had we had more misses than I would have liked in the paint, to be honest. Um, but then, yeah, just I mean, especially like right in this like center threes, like this team just like absolutely teed off. And I mean, it's not going to be this every game, but it's amazing to see like this sort of progression to be just a completely Warriors esque like either the balls in the paint or the balls <laughs> getting shot from three, and there's literally no other option. I mean, it's impressive because, like, I will, I will say, like, for someone who probably had, you know, has a, a kind of a curmudgeonly uh, reputation, and and rightfully so in so many ways, Jim's really adjusted the way this team plays based on who he has on the team, and it can go from year to year. It's not like a a real like gradual progression. Like, we've had some rock fight teams in the last like five years, and we've had some bomb it out teams, and they switch basically by the year depending on the personnel. And like, obviously, the rock fight teams aren't that fun to watch. But I guess give uh, give Beheim credit for, like, you know, that might have been the way that those teams needed to win at times, especially, you know, with a lack of shooting. And this year he does not have a lack of shooting. He has four or five guys who are all going to be legitimate threats, depending on how Benny comes along with his three ball. And he might not even really need it to come along this year. I know he'll probably want to take some, especially, you know, if he has NBA on his mind after, after his freshman year. But, like, at least four really, really dangerous three-point shooters. So... Um, who are, you know, in the starting lineup, who will probably be on the court a, a fair amount of time. We'll probably at least have three of them on the court at any given time in bid minutes. So uh, that's really exciting for as someone who loves kind of pace and space and wide open basketball. I'm honestly looking at this. There were like nine shots between both teams the entire game that were not in the paint or threes. It was like a very up and down shoot the ball. Like it, there weren't a lot of like really ugly possessions. Especially for SU, like the 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 aesthetic nature of of SU's offense last night was like really pleasing. Um, the ball moved really really fast. Passes were pretty crisp. 
Um, yeah, not a lot to complain about. And again, we know Lafayette, totally get it. But still, like there have been games uh, in the last couple of years where like we've played someone and we've won by 20, but you're like, oh, that was that wasn't fun. <laughs> we won like 67 to 47 or something. And like, yeah, that's a nice win, but um, give me give me almost 100 points every night. It's interesting. I'm looking at Buddy's shot chart. He's got, I mean, it's, it's one game, but like, you know, out on the arc, like on the left side, like he, he hit the corner three, but he's got like four or five misses kind of in the same general area. Like, I wonder if that's a product of defense or if that's just is what it is. But just interesting to see like a cluster of his shots miss all in the same general area of the floor. That is interesting. I don't know if like, I'd have to watch the game again to see if like they were really running guys out on Buddy and trying to prevent him. Um, which is certainly possible. He didn't really even store, like, it was the Jimmy Beheim show to start the game. Um, I think he had, like, the first, he had, like, 11 of the first however many points. Um, but, like, you know, I think the rest of the offense is going to go a long way towards proving that, like, you cannot just take Buddy out because if you're going to dedicate that much uh, that much to take to making sure he doesn't get good shots, like, A, if you let Gerard get hot, that's not good. You don't want that. Um, and then Swider uh, is obviously a knockdown shooter. Jimmy looks like he could be a 35 plus percent shooter. Like that's, there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of issues that this presents the teams. And then like, you know, I assume Benny is going to really come along as the year goes on. Like he was clearly still getting his sea legs out there, but showed how bouncy he can be. Had that nice putback dunk, had a nice transition dunk. Like he's super athletic. He, he you know, stream Syracuse forward, um, Syracuse forward from Maryland, which is a type uh, that he certainly fills. Um, yeah, so like I expect him to take really big leaps during the season. Uh, and yeah, it should be. I'm, I'm pumped. I'm, I'm pretty excited overall for after, after last night again. First game, but it was nice to have the team back. And it just seems like, you know, A, hopefully we're better than we've been in a little bit, even if it's not like great. Hopefully we're like in the midst for like a sit seat at least, and we can actually get excited through the regular season. Um, and then like, However we get there, it seems like we're going to have uh, some pretty fun games here. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think this team, interestingly, like, despite, like, the lack of cohesion year to year, they do look better. I mean, and COVID's part of that. Like, they do look better prepared coming into this year than we saw last year where they really struggled with Bryant. Like, granted, Bryant's probably a better team than Lafayette is coming off their really poor campaign last year. But nonetheless, like, this SU team looked locked in on offense. I think they had some... There's some things they need to fix on defense, but they're not surprising things. And I think that's that's the plus. Like I wasn't sh- I wasn't shocked in a negative way by anything that happened um, on Tuesday night. The things that the things that didn't go as well, and I think Jim Beheim even like talked about after the game. He, he was discussing the fact that like you know the defense got challenged here and there. Like sure, like you know what, like that that's stuff that that we probably expected. I mean, it's not like Lafayette had a great shooting game, uh, but but they definitely tried to you know extend SU zone as much as possible and shoot over it because. It's really like if you're not that big of a team, if you're not going to be able to win the rebounding battle, your best chance is just to jack threes and see what can happen. And we've seen for the most part, like it doesn't work. Um, but for teams that can hit, it can keep you around um, and, and change SU's game plan. So I, I, I don't discredit Lafayette at all for, for giving it a shot at least. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I mean, even even if the defense, like, I, I there are gonna be games where they're probably a step slow. You know, athletically, like, it's probably not the best uh, team. Although I think you'll make some trades for the type of shooting that we have now, um, but. It did seem like generally like they knew where they were rotating. Like obviously Edwards has been in the middle of the zone for a while. He hasn't started, but he's been in the system for a while and he looked like he knew pretty well what he was doing. Um we we saw Jimmy at the five on defense a couple times, um, even when I think John Ball was in there, which was really interesting. Um I was uh, I was very uh intrigued by that look. I don't know if Jim Dad asked about it last night, but you'd think that JBA would be like the natural center in that lineup and said it was Jimmy in the middle. So, you know, there clearly could be some small ball situations with him or Swider in there. Um, so, yeah, I think there are a lot of very interesting possibilities with uh, like lineup uh, incantations that we might see throughout the season. Yeah, I completely agree. And honestly, like I, I think if you, if you see any messing around uh, with lineups, it's going to be in the, in the next few games probably because you get Lafayette. Or the NCAA like, tournament with Bayheim last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you had the Lafayette game on Tuesday. There's Drexel on Sunday, and then Colgate the following Saturday. Um, so, like, kind of a slower, uh, more like gradual start into the season before SU really gets into the meat of things. Um, Thanksgiving week, they'll have VCU to start things in Battle for Atlantis. Um, they'll probably face UConn at some point. Um, Auburn's down there. Baylor, a bunch of other teams. Um, Really tough stretch, uh, to be honest, from November 24th at BCU through the rest of the Battle for Atlantis uh, and then through the you know road game at Georgetown on December 11th. Um, Indiana's in there at home, Florida State on the road, Villanova at Madison Square Garden. So uh, interesting, big stretch coming up for SU. If this team is going to be um, competitive in the ACC, if they're going to compete for you know a single-digit seed in the NCAA tournament, I feel like you got to get through this stretch with like two losses or less. I mean, you could potentially sustain three depending on who you face, but um, for the most part, like I think a, a team that goes into the Lehigh game on December 18th with two losses, I think you're feeling very, very good about them. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough, it's a pretty tough uh, non-conference slate, especially compared to some of the ones we've had in recent years. Um, so, I, I mean, I would be, I would sign for two, I think, um, you know, three, you might be fine. You just have to, you know, probably pick up some some ground in the ACC. And obviously we know while the last 10 games, Mark is no longer officially taken into account, like teams that have hot finishes to their season will get credit for it. So, um, you know, not going to lose my mind if, if they drop a couple early and they're still figuring things out. This is still a pretty, you know, it's not a, it's not a very young lineup because Benny's the only freshman, but it still has a lot of new pieces. Um, so it's not crazy to think that they might try to, you know, they might take a little while to figure some stuff out, but, uh, overall, like I expect fairly big things. Obviously, I don't know if this is like a final four contender, but I think, I think hopefully this is like a better, more consistent day-to-day team than we've had a while. And stylistically, they should still be a team that can be, uh, that can be pretty, pretty damage, uh, damaging when it comes to March. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? Like, that's the thing. Like we might end up in the exact same result this year, to be honest, of like Sweet 16, like lost in the Sweet 16. But if I feel better all season about the team, um, I'd say I'm fine with it. Yeah, like I, I said it at the end of last year, like we don't need to sign for just being good in the NCAA tournament. It wasn't that long ago where we were good in the regular season and then also really good in the NCAA tournament. So let's get back to that. Yeah, I <laughs> like, agree. 
if if I have to choose, I guess I will choose defensively tournament runs. You don't know what's going to happen. The final four run was amazing in 2016, et cetera, et cetera. But there's, they're not mutually exclusive. In fact, generally speaking, the teams that are good in the regular season then end up being good in the NCAA tournament. It's uh, something that we can lose track of occasionally considering how the last like five or six years have gone. But it is the truth. Uh, one more thing about the men's team before I skip over the women's quick. Um, I know on my two-loss point, um, I see three is it would be fair. If, if the three losses are Villanova at Florida State and like Baylor potentially in the Battle for Atlantis final, I think you take that going away. It also depends how they look. Like, if it's three losses, but they battle all three of those games, or, like, maybe one gets away from them, the other two are pretty close, like, you know, you, you probably sign for it, as long as they look really convincing yeah. otherwise. And then you head to the ACC and you take your shot. Yep. Anyway, uh, women's team. Honestly, hell of a first... I mean, said this game will be over when everyone listens to this, but hell of a first half. I know it's Monmouth. Monmouth looked awful last year. Um, and their coach left under weird circumstances, and they got a new coach. Uh, but uh, 49-28 at the half, um, as we're podcasting here. Krislin um, Carr leads SU with 11. Jayla Thornton has 10. Christiana Carr has 9. Um, I think it's good to see, uh, and, and this isn't like our official, like this is basically our official uh, women's basketball se- season preview here, um, I suppose. It's just so far, like they're playing a little more wide open. They're playing with some tempo. Um, they seem to be crashing the boards with some ability and moving the ball around well. Like I, and I said this in like kind of the big questions piece on Monday, like this is for, for the women's team, you know, it, it's, it's a blessing in disguise in some ways that there is, that there's very little in terms of like established hierarchy. Uh, there's very little in terms of um, like a dominant, you know, scorer or anything like that. Like you can pretty much try a lot of different things and, and catch teams by surprise. And, 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 you know, run a lot of tempo because you don't have any anyone that you necessarily need to play, um, you know, extended minutes because you don't really know what you have right now. And, and a lot depends on how cohesive things got in the offseason and how much they were able to put together in terms of systems on both sides in the offseason. But, like, it, there are some advantages, and, and especially in, against a non-conference slate, um, that, that should help them ease into the season. Like, this team – could do really well early, even if it ends up struggling in ACC play. Yeah, I, I just hope that, like, the players just kind of are able to play kind of loose. Because obviously this offseason was was really awful for the program overall. Um, they come into the year with, like, you know, who knows what they're going to be this season overall. Um, I, it's probably easier for us to say than, like, if you're Von Reed, who's clearly trying to coach for uh, this full-time job now. But, like, if they can just go out there and, like, kind of play loose and, and find something and try to reestablish what this program is supposed to be and what's supposed to mean, like that'll be a really big uh, step going into like the next stretch of this uh, program. But overall, great start. I mean, they scored 31 points in the second quarter in Monmouth. That's, that's impressive. Uh, um, so yeah, but it'd be fun to monitor them, uh, especially like all these new names. It's, it's crazy. It's like an entire new, you know, you might as well have been like an expansion team with, with what the roster looks like after last year, but uh, maybe they'll route and impress because like, Again, they don't really have, like, a ton to lose uh, if the players on the team. Like, so little is expected of them. Um, they're obviously, like, entering a completely new uh, kind of era compared to, you know, all of the pressure that was put on the program after the the national championship game appearance. So, you know, hopefully that actually works to their benefit and they can go out there and just play basketball. Yeah. And, I mean, like, 
you know, similar kind of lead into the season for them as, as the men's team. Have this Monmouth game, then Sunday they'll face Notre Dame. Um, then you have Morgan State uh, next Wednesday before they head down to the Bahamas themselves. Uh, you get a tougher battle against USF, a uh, potential UConn matchup um, next, not this coming Sunday, but the Sunday after, which unpleasant probably. Um, and then a, a to-be-determined opponent uh, to wrap things up in Battle for Atlanta. So overall, like, again, easier start. Things get tough in a hurry. Um, and they kind of cool down for a bit before you get into, you know, the, the meat of ACC play. I, I'm not I'm not holding my breath, but if they can win 10 games this year, I'd be I'd be pretty impressed with this group, which is, you know, it doesn't demean them at all. I think just it's being realistic about um, the situation and about what they're up against. But um, strong start here, at least. Yeah, hoping for a good, uh, good rest of the fall here and dead off to a to a good start. It'd be, it'd be, I mean, it'd be a great story if they really put together a nice season here. So all, all the support to them. Agreed. All right, Dan. So uh, before we get to football, uh, what have you been drinking Oh, uh, It's been a pretty active couple of weeks here. We, we took the bye last week along with the football team, as you may have noticed. Um, had some, two weeks ago, I had some uh, Jam Up the Mash from Collective Arts. Uh, which uh, is a sour from those guys up north. Um, pretty solid overall. Uh, had a Forbidden Pumpkin from Abomination Brewing, which I believe is a Connecticut brewery that I had not had or heard of before. Wasn't my favorite pumpkin. It was like pretty heavy on like the nutmeg and stuff, but uh, kind of had like a didn't have like the full. I don't know. It it it, it wasn't my favorite. It was also like super boozy, um, and it was pretty drinkable. So you know, I'll take that. Um, had a, da- a Das Bronx Oktoberfest from Bronx Brewing. Bronx Brewing is not always my favorite, but I thought this was a really, really nice effort uh, to an Oktoberfest-style Marzen. Um, really nice, super, super drinkable. Um, found some Mexican cake from Westbrook, which John and I have shared together before. One of my fa- Probably my favorite stout, I would say. Always delicious. Was excited to find that. Um, had some Super Treat from ha- Treehouse. Had some Black Raven from Treehouse. Had uh, some Order of Magnitude Sour from Edmund's Oast, uh, which is delicious. I'm currently drinking uh, from uh, Duclaw down in, I believe, Baltimore um, from their Pastryarchy series, uh, their uh, Oatmeal Cream Pie Imperial Honeyweed Ale, which I bought just out of pure curiosity. I was a little worried it was going to be kind of a stump beer. It's actually really, really good. Um, Super crisp, has like a really nice kind of sweet honey flavor, but not being like, it's not super like kind of nauseously sweet, Uh, very drinkable, and definitely drinks like a beer, does not drink like a stupid like kind of dessert things so um yeah i think they hit all the notes here uh it's it's much better than i expected so very nice happy discovery there cool um yes yeah, so we're going two weeks back here uh, we're not going to talk about the fact that i didn't go to toronto uh, <laughs> hopefully i wasn't we'll gonna bring it up yeah ho- ho- hopefully we'll just talk about what i go to toronto uh, next year to make up for it uh for modern times i had uh, ethereal embrace uh pastry style from them was a uh, horchata inspired, so really interesting flavors there. Uh, really came through pretty well all around. For Modern Times, also had a uh, it was Modern Times and Heater Allen actually had a tent beer. It was there a uh, fetch beer? It was really good. From Celador had orange sunshine. It was an orange sour that was pretty good. Um, for Modern Times, it's singular rhythms aged in Madeira barrels with black raspberries. It tasted like a uh, kind of really tart red wine, uh, which is pretty good. Uh, from Monkish down in Torrance, it had a subliminal sequel. Uh, it was a Belgian blonde at, uh, from Smog City. had kelp on the way. It was uh, like to benefit. Um, I forgot what it is to benefit. I think it's like an ocean benefit thing. Um, that's, so part of the proceeds go to the to fix the oceans. 
uh, the kelp on the way from uh, Smog City. It's an IPA. And then uh, Smogtoberfest from them. It's just their uh, annual fish beer they put out. Uh, had a really good uh, double IPA. And luckily, I had some more in the fridge um, from Monkish uh, that they brewed with other half and Trillium. Um, so, so when you see a hazy on a menu with, uh, with those three involved, um, absolutely have to grab it. So I made sure to get Like Whoa uh, from Monkish. It was very good. Um, on the first can, going to finish off that four pack this weekend. Um, had another IPA from Smog City, Space Weather, had Common Core from Trademark Brewing, the Greyhound from Bottle Logic. Uh, that was really good. Um, grapefruit IPA, had Steely Jam uh, from Beechwood, and uh, Urban Roots, which is up in Sacramento. Uh, it was really good. Strata Mosaic um, IPA, that was West Coast. They're so really enjoyable. And then I uh, capped off the weekend with a uh, Highland Park Griffith. Jay Griffith was uh, an Imperial Stout that with coffee that I've mentioned quite a few times in the past. All right, Dan. So we have a few here. Um, I guess before we get into the specifics of the Louisville game, do you think this Syracuse team is going bowling? I'm going to have faith and say yes. I, it's, it's, these are not the three matchups I would sign for um, <laughs> at the end. I, Louisville's very beatable. Um, you know, they – they certainly shouldn't be cut out uh, or, uh, you know, we shouldn't be counted out in this one by any means. We're only, you know, we're a three point dog on the road. It's essentially a pick 'em. Um, but you know, it's not an easy, it's not, it's not going to be an easy one. Obviously they're retiring Lamar Jackson's Jersey. I'm sure we're going to see the hurdle. Uh, I mean, we already see it probably every weekend somehow. Um, we're probably going to see it another uh, 7,000 times this weekend. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. They're 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 far from. I mean, they've lost four of the last five. Um, they lost to Clemson. You know, it was close. They lost to NC State. It wasn't super close. Um, they played with Mike and Virginia. Like they kind of profile pretty similar to similarly to us. They beat BC pretty uh, pretty handily. They beat FSU. So like, I don't know. I think these two teams kind of match up pretty uh, pretty evenly on paper. Um, they have Malik Cunningham, who has been. Um, a real issue uh, for a lot of teams. He's a really strong dual threat guy, 2000 yards passing almost 715 touchdowns on the ground. Um, I think we handled, you know, Malik Willis about as well as, as you could hope. Uh, so, and this, this defense is a little faster than some of the ones we've had in years past. So hopefully they're better equipped to face a mobile quarterback like him. Um, but overall, like, uh, you know, Louisville, they allow over 130 rushing yards per game. Uh, and and teams throw on them, so hopefully we can get something going over the top and open some things up for Tucker. So it, it's going to be, uh, I think, a fairly tough one, um, but it's probably the most winnable game we have left because the the final two of NC State and and Pitt, um, arguably the two best teams in the ACC this year, uh, with the NC State game coming on the road, like they're certainly beatable. Uh, but I would much, I'd be very relieved to get this one crossed off uh, this weekend. Yeah, I agree. The, the longer it takes to get to six, the more pressure's on the players on the yep. team, coaching staff, everything else. So, like, for me, getting getting number six this weekend would be great. Um, I know some not good news for the Cardinals. Uh, I know Malik Cunningham is not out, but he's a little banged up um, of late. And then uh, K-12 Clark, uh, star cornerback from um, Louisville, is out for the season. Those are two notes. I mean, obviously, SU, that would require SU to be able to throw the ball on anyone. Uh, <laughs> was not necessarily the case, um, you know, last week, although well, two weeks ago, I guess, um, against BC. But overall, I, I think that, that SU has enough to beat Louisville 
Um, it's not going to be like a, a blowout by any means. And, and I mean, really what game has been this year um, other than, um, you know, the game against Albany, like it's, they've all been dog fights, even, even the BC game, really. Um, if not for, you know, the, the kind of back and forth quarterback um, stuff on, on the other side, you know, if BC been able to keep um, what's his name, the, uh, the, the second string kid in, I mean, who who knows what would happen in that game? I mean, SU's game was pretty much, you know, down to three plays. It was it was two big home run plays on offense, and then, um, you know, a big Courtney Jackson punt return. So, uh, I, I think while we we take that win, obviously, um, there, there's certainly a little bit more to be desired from this offense uh, when it comes to beating any of the last three teams um, on the schedule. So, I, I think we go bowling. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to end up in the pinstripe bowl uh, just from a, like, how are we going to fill his venue uh, standpoint? And, and because I think proximity is going to play a much larger role this year than normal. Um, because I think, you know, w- without a lot of like bowl, without a lot of attendance revenues last year for these bowls, I think they're going to, they're going to play as safe as possible. And be, how can we get the most people in this, um, in the venue? So I, I think we end up in the pinstripe bowl. Wouldn't doubt it if it was a team like Penn state who would also be able to, and probably, well, actually, definitely more so would be able to pack that venue. Um, but I, I, I like your odds here. I, I'm definitely, I'm definitely surprisingly optimistic. I, 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 I will be unsurprisingly less optimistic if we lose this one. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, the, the, the Penn State Penn State Bowl stuff, which is in a number of projections, is really funny uh, because there's a chance Penn State would have like nine or ten wins, and we would have six and. <laughs> I don't think their fans would be thrilled about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it'd be kind of like the West Virginia game a couple of years ago, which obviously we were like uh, more more than than uh, than capable of being in the in the Citrus Bowl that year. Um, but like, it, it was uh, like West Virginia fans obviously thought they were I don't know what they thought they thought they were better than Syracuse that year, which like clearly wasn't the case on any level. And you had the their players sitting out and whatnot. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if a similar thing happened with Penn State, and like I would kind of get it, but it would also be really funny if we beat them and just like set them off, especially with all of the rumors about Franklin and all the opening jobs coming up, the persistent USC rumors. Like, there's a chance that we're like right in the middle of that during that point. So I, I'm I'm kind of here for it. It'd be fun. <laughs> um, and also, like, if you're a six-win Syracuse team and you face like nine-win Penn State in a bowl, like, what? Who cares if you lose? <laughs> like, you're supposed to lose. And then if you win, it's it's like it's incredible. Um, and, and it would be really funny. Um, so yeah, well, we'll get to that if we get to it. Um, but yeah, Louisville, obviously overall, like if, if Cunningham is limited, uh, obviously that'd be a huge boon. I, I, every time like someone's quote unquote limited, but they play, like I always just kind of expect them to play at their best. I feel like high level athletes generally are able to like grit out like a pretty good performance unless something's like really wrong, in which case they probably shouldn't be playing. So um, if he's out there, I, I expect to get the Cunningham that's, you know, throwing for over eight yards an attempt um, is obviously a, a huge threat when it gets, comes uh, near the end zone uh, with his legs, with those 15 touchdowns. Um, it, it's, it's, it's like weirdly a team that kind of mirrors what we have at Syracuse this year um, in so many ways. Obviously, he's a very different style runner than Trader, but like the way the offenses work um, and then their running back situation is not as good as we have. Um, they have like, you know, Cunningham leads them. They have kind of a running back by committee situation with Jalen Mitchell, Trevian Cooley, um, Hassan Hall, former Syracuse commit, who I feel like has been with Louisville for 75 years. Yeah, um, but, like he like come back. Yes, I think so. I feel like he's, t- he's played against us. So like, 
I mean, it's a college thing where like anyone who stays for four years and and is like a contributor for four years feels like they've been around forever. But that's the case with him. Um, but yeah, it's it's like an interesting mirror uh, mirror image of them being at four and five, us at five and four. Um, so yeah, I expect a really close one because that's what happens with Syracuse this year. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell if like I want this to be uh, a bit of a slugfest or not. Like Both teams are really... You know, run heavy, obviously, SU being one of the most run heavy teams in the country um, to, to, to a stunning extent at this point. I think, are, are we at a point where the only teams that run more than we, the, the only teams that average more yards on the ground per game are, are the Army and Air Force now? Uh, it's a short list. I'd have to look. Um, but like, we're, we're up there towards the top of like every, I think Tucker's still, I don't know if he's still the, is he still the NCAA leading rusher after the bye week? I'm not sure. But he was, he was like most weeks. Yeah, so SU is averaging 247.7 yards per game. That's third after Army and Air Force. Um, and obviously they have the benefit I mean, of running triple action. Yeah, I mean, we're like, I mean, all right, so Cucker's behind Kenneth Walker now. So they're going to duel it out for the title. Um, and hopefully, you know, one of them is probably going to the Heisman ceremony. Hopefully two. Uh, we probably need Tucker probably. to like. Yeah, the problem is going to be Syracuse just not being on the radar. Like if we win out, maybe. Um, but if Sean Tucker was having the exact same season, you don't add one yard or one touchdown to his total, uh, having the exact same season as he is now. And you just stuck him on a nine win team. Like he would absolutely be going to the Heisman ceremony. Oh, hundred percent. I, I, I don't get that. No question. So I'm looking at, yes. so I'm looking at Louisville's, um, well, looking at our like game log and I feel like the rushing defense definitely hasn't been as great of late. But, like, you know, while, while we did give up 260 yards to Virginia Tech, which still seems weird considering how poor um, they were on the ground otherwise this season, um, BC, 71 carries, uh, seven, 71 yards on 40 carries. Um, Clemson was 37 carries for 116 yards. Uh, Wake Forest was 37 carries for 96 yards. So, like, other than the Florida State game uh, and, and the Virginia Tech game, we have done pretty well stopping the run this year. It's going to be really interesting to see how how this run defense responds to you know another dual threat. I, I think you know Mikel Jones did such a great job against Malik Willis, as you kind of alluded to earlier. I I'm curious if he can do the same thing here. I think that the talent level is obviously much better at Louisville, and they do have a pretty solid stable of guys in this backfield. I mean Cunningham, Mitchell, Cooley, Hall. Like there's a lot of I mean you get three or four guys, um, including Cunningham, uh, who've run for at least 250 yards. Like that's not it's not the same approach that SU uh, endorses and, and that can really wear on a defense when you're throwing just different guys at them over and over again, with fresh legs and not taking as many hits um, over the course of a game. So I'm curious there. And really then if you key in on, on, on stopping the run, does that open up op- opportunities downfield? And, you know, Louisville doesn't have, doesn't rely there on just one guy either. Uh, they have five different receivers who caught, for, you know, had at least 250 yards um, through the air. Like, that's impressive, and, and, and really, I, I do worry a little bit that, that SU's kind of banged up secondary 
um, get stretched a little thin here. And, and and I do think that this is where Louisville kind of differentiates themselves a little bit versus Syracuse, who doesn't necessarily, I mean, as we know, like doesn't necessarily have a passing attack to speak of um, most times. And Schrader's done well um, in spots, and he's had games where he's thrown the ball well enough. Uh, last game wasn't one of them. But in, in general, like, I, I think you can, I think it's easy enough to game plan against Schrader um, passing the ball um, if you have a good run defense. And, and it doesn't mean that, that doesn't mean that we lose. It doesn't mean that, 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 that he's a poor quarterback. It just means that there's, there are aspects of what we do on offense that are, that you can game plan against if your defense is good enough. And I think Louisville's might be, though, again, we don't really know if, if things are going to be just as good without Clark in the game. Fair question. Um, I think the, the the passing game, the passing aspect of this game for Louisville and Cunningham does stare at me. Like we, while like the the fact that he is such a dynamic runner, like we kind of know what that is, like we're aware of it. Um, it that they do spread the ball around really effectively, uh, as you cited, five guys over two hundred sixty yards, um, all of whom have scored. Um, and he's just he's like pretty efficient. Like he, he, I don't think he gets enough credit as a passer, but he's over sixty percent for the year, which combined with his rushing attack is like pretty dangerous. He's at over eight point uh, eight yards per attempt, which is uh, a, you know a really solid number. Again, when you add in a five point two yards per carry rusher, um, who is like the number one rushing option there, it's a really dangerous total package. So um, yeah, like our secondary obviously has uh, been put through the ringer a little bit. Um, I think it's going to be important for Syracuse not to fall behind. Obviously, that's been a theme this year, and we've we've been, you know, to, to the team's credit, they've come out pretty hot uh, a couple of times. But um, this is one, especially with what should be a pretty fired-up Louisville crowd with the Lamar Jackson game and everything else. Like, we really do not uh, – we, we really shouldn't – can't afford to fall behind here much. So, hopefully, fingers crossed, we get out to another hot start. We have a nice first drive, get Tucker the ball, uh, get things rolling there because uh, – that's like the one situation where I could see this one getting out of hand for SU is if, you know, Louisville stores to open, Syracuse throws three and out, and then, you know, you really have uh, things, you know, you're behind the behind the eight ball in a pretty significant way there. So hopefully we get another another fast start and, and don't uh, don't hand it away like we've we've tended to do at times either. Yeah, I, I think that, that that is always the fear. And, you know, while this coaching staff has improved aspects of what they've done on the game management standpoint, it's definitely been shortcomings as well and one thing that i'm curious and obviously i'm not watching much tape as the uh, coaching staff is by any means but i'm curious to see how much they try to throw against this louisville defense um you know clark's played most of the season and yet this defense is 116th against the pass in terms of um passing yards allowed per game that's not the end all be all especially when you know you're not including like tempo in that but um, opponents are completing 64 percent of their passes against louisville for two or 2471 yards that's 275 yards almost um, per game, 18 touchdowns, nine picks. So that's like really best you can put together. I, mean, I don't want them to make Garrett Trader be something he's not, but if they were ever going to come out with a like passing centric attack, this might be the weekend to do it. Yeah. I mean, if he can, if he can throw the ball as well as he, uh, he did a few weeks ago, uh, what game was it where, I mean, uh, the, the Vatek game, like, you know, he, he he didn't hit, he hit, was under 50%, but he was, um, for him, at least relatively efficient. He had a couple big plays. He obviously had the, the huge touchdown at the end, and he just did enough to open up. That's all we've really been asking for from Schrader is, is 
just do enough to keep things open both for yourself and for Tucker and like this offense can do a lot. Um, and it doesn't require like the super, you know, we have to do a West coast offense and dink and dunk and whatnot, but um, he just can't be a zero there where like, unfortunately a couple of times this year, it's been uh, verging on that territory. So uh, yeah, hopefully Louisville is susceptible enough where, uh, where we don't need to, to worry about that too much and he can put together something, but we've had games where like, or like at least stretches of games where he just really doesn't know where to go with the ball. He's holding on to it too long. Um, he's, you know, even hesitant to, to take off when he can, when he can. So uh, hopefully he's dialed in um, and hopefully the, the, the week off has come at a good time and, and we can really start to progress this offense as we have seen those like little wrinkles here and there, um, which have been nice to, to see from the coaching staff. We gave them credit a couple of weeks ago. Um, so yeah, maybe we'll come out and see like, you know, another, the next step forward and what this offense can be with the, the Schrader and Tucker uh, attack leading the way. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Davis teams at Syracuse haven't performed like necessarily well coming out of the bye. Um, especially against Louisville. Um, I believe last year was also coming out of a bye. Um, and, and things obviously went poorly to say the least. Uh, for SU, lost 30 to nothing to the Cardinals. Uh, Louisville, like we said, struggling pass defense. They do give up chunk plays, 102 passing plays of 10 or more yards um, allowed this year. That's tied for 121st in the country. Uh, 40 uh, passing plays of 20 or more yards. So there's opportunity there. Um, but yeah, like how do you allow Schrader to take advantage of opportunities Louisville gives him while also not you know, pushing him to play outside of himself and, and force his team into a game that they really can't. Like, we saw in the Rutgers game, um, you know, after fighting the rushing attack, for the most part, they suddenly switched to a pass-centric attack and lost that Like, does the outcome change if they just, you know, stick with the ground game that they know? Um, obviously not the same offense at this point, but you know, a worthwhile question just because we, we see what happens when SU is trying to be something it's not. And that goes for any team, really. Like when when, when you're as pass averse, uh, I, I guess, as SU is this year, um, trying to suddenly gear your entire attack around passing, or at least be predominantly a passing centric team, like it's not always going to work out. And you really have to hope the defense is giving you something um, easy to work with, or, or else you're going to end up playing right into their trap. Yeah, and and also like the staff needs to be able to dial stuff up to get Schrader going. Like you hear so much about getting quarterbacks into rhythm, especially when it's like a young guy or a guy who's not totally accustomed to the system. Well, like now we're gearing the system towards this completely new style of, of runner, even compared to like what we did with Dungey, which was uh, a lot more improvised um, versus like the, the design runs with Trader. And then even, you know, the stuff with him where you know, a couple seconds and he sees a running lane and he's going um, just designing things around getting him both comfortable and also establishing the threat early. Um, by getting like some some kind of easy, quick hits uh, out there would do a long way. So again, you know, we'll see what happens after a full week of of preparation. But um, I think we'll, we'll we'll know the tenor of this game early on. And if they can if they can put together a nice sustained drive early, quiet the crowd, uh, try to impose their will with a rushing attack. You know, we certainly have a, a pretty good shot in this one. I mean, again, it's a, it's a pick'em game. Uh, Louisville's not great by any stretch, but but. They're not great in kind of the same way that most people say we're not great, where, you know, they're in pretty much every game. So um, certainly not one to take lightly. Not that I think uh, Syracuse is in that position for anybody, but um, not one where we should just like totally count ourselves out either. So 
And again, like, as you said, the pressure is going to really mount from here for the bowl. Uh, if we can't pull this one out with NC state and Pitt looming. So fingers crossed, uh, it'll be, uh, it'll be pretty scary. I think if we, if we enter that, that, uh, NC, NC state game at five and five. I would agree. <laughs> hey, Dan, you want to give your uh, quick prognostication for this one? Um, I am going to keep the faith here. Um, I do think uh, this one will be a nail biter. Um, I'm going to go with Syracuse pulling it out at Louisville. Uh, I'll do a final score of 29-28. All right. Interesting score. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I got a little concerned about the offense a couple weeks ago. I'm curious to see what they can do against this Louisville team that seems geared to shut down what they do best. I think this actually ends up being a little bit of a uh, a slugfest in, in, in the noon spot. Um, I'm going to go SU 24, Louisville 20. All right. We're both, uh, we're both, we're both being very loyal idiots. For once. So we're, we're, we're finally off brand after years of being on brand. Oh, people bullied us. We could have, what, what can we do? We had to, we had to, it works. Yes. A hundred percent. That is the lesson to take away from this podcast. Always. All right, Dan, anything else before we uh, bounce today? No, excited for the game. Excited to get out to LA next week. We will have a live for us show next week. It won't really be any different for you guys. Maybe it'll sound a little better, but uh, no, we're excited for, uh, for all the things to come. And then we have Thanksgiving week and, this college football season, I think it part of it partially because the NFL added the extra game um, and already starts a week late. It just feels like, you know, the NFL were right in like the like meat grinder part of the season. College football just like hurtling through. Um, I kind of wish it would slow down. I've, I've enjoyed it. It's been a, uh, an interesting season, um, both for Syracuse and overall. And like, I feel it's, it's kind of sad that we're like so close to the finish line. I always feel like that, to be honest. Where like, yeah. You get anxious about it, and then like September is kind of a slog. Then you get into conference play, and then like suddenly it's like very much over. Yeah, I mean it's like a rocket ship. Um, I do enjoy just how I mean, obviously Georgia is what they are, like, but uh, definitely like a, a weird college football season overall. And I'm I'm kind of here for it. Like it's I, I I enjoy that Alabama fell. I enjoy that like we're probably gonna get at least a somewhat different looking playoff. Fingers crossed. Obviously, I probably jinx that, but. Um, you know, we'll see. Just, uh, there are still plenty of plenty of things to uh, plenty of things to shift around here. So I'm maybe hoping for like an Ohio State Alabama championship game. Well, so yeah, maybe. I mean, it, if Alabama beats Georgia, but like if Alabama loses to Georgia, then all bets are off for them. Right. Um, I don't see Oregon going unbeaten to the end here, and even if they are, like I'll kind of support it. I know they're not a totally new team, but at least it's different than the normal Oklahoma, Ohio State, Alabama nonsense. Um, I don't think Ohio State's going to win out. I kind of feel like they're going to lose. I think Georgia's probably going to win out. Uh, I think Cincy might get thrown in there just like, I mean, they need to stop messing around. But, like, I, I, the fact they moved to the fifth is actually, like, kind of encouraging because yeah. at least, like, the door is cracked open for them. Um, yeah, so, you know, I'm hoping. I'm hoping for for some, some chaos here down the stretch. Same here. All right. Well, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Train News and Apps of the Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. On iTunes, Megaphone, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, and go orange. Go orange.